everybody. Glad to see everybody on this nice warm summer afternoon. I know some people might not put nice and warm together, but uh, anyway, uh, I'm trying to be positive. Anyway, good to see you everybody. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, I'm excited about starting a new <coughs> series this morning on the essence of spiritual maturity. And just before I do, do that, I just want to invite you tonight to our Bible study on uh, a better way to pray. And then at 6 o'clock, that's here. And then also, uh, we have our Bible study on Saturday nights now in Pasadena at 7.30. So anyway, I just invite you to both of those. You can get more information on both of those at our website, lighthousediscipleship.org. Lighthousediscipleship.org. All right. Well, God bless you again. Uh, it's good to be here. And I'm excited to starting this new series on the essence of spiritual maturity. The reason I'm going in this, and actually I've been wanting to teach on this for quite a while, but not my heart. I've been developing and, and chewing on the Word and, and, and studying it. Um, you know, some of this will come out a little bit more, too, as we go forward. But uh, my heart as a pastor, and I'm realizing it more and more as I get into this pastoral role, and I'm still learning, but this pastoral role. <coughs> wrong is I want to see people grow up and mature in their walk with God. That's my heart. That's my heart as uh, as a pastor, as a brother in Christ, is to see people grow in Christ. And as we grow individually, we will also grow corporately. We will, in a sense, if we grow healthy our own in our, in our own accord, we will grow healthy churches. And we will grow a healthy church. Um, that's my heart. That's my passion. And that's going to come out a little bit more as we go forward. I want to see lives transform. I want to see lives grow and mature. I want to see everyone come to their full potential and their destiny and their purpose. Included with that, I want to see people healed. I want to see people prosperous. I want to see people blessed. I want to see, but I want to see people grow and mature and become established who they are in Christ and be established and equipped in His Word. I want to see people grow and be fruitful in their lives, in every area of their lives, physically, financially, relationally, with their families, in every area of their lives, spiritually, uh, more, more importantly. I want to see people grow in healthy lives, have a healthy perception of God and a healthy perception of of themselves, a healthy perception of one another and even the world. I want I want to see people grow and, and grow and mature spiritually. In John three three, you don't need to turn there necessarily, but Jesus Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And in that conversation he says, Unless you are born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. He goes on to say, Unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom. And with that, you know, he also goes on to say, in that same context, don't marvel that I say you must be born again. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of spirit is spirit. <coughs> but let me just say this, naturally speaking. Nobody is born an adult. We are all born a baby. Okay, that's just the way the world works. That's the way God ordained it and God created it. But when we're born again, and we're born 
from him being in Adam, being born again in Christ, none of us are automatically born mature in our walk, in, in our faith uh, in Jesus Christ. There's a growing process. There's a maturing process that we all go through, and we all will continue to go through. I'm still going through it to a certain, at a certain level, and we might be on different levels of that path of maturity. But the goal is, just like naturally speaking, the goal is for us to grow and mature. Uh, spiritually speaking, it's our desire for us to grow and mature in our walk with God. Uh, are we on the same page? We, we good with that? Okay. Um, and it's God's plan. God designed for everything to grow. Every plant, every animal, every person, both physically spiritually, mentally, and every every aspect of spirit, soul, and body. Okay? But we're going to be focusing on our growth spiritually. But I'm going to keep using the analogy or the metaphor of the physical growth. Because that is our example. That is one way that can hopefully bring this message across. <coughs> Excuse me. Every time I just I start preaching, I, a cough attack wants to come on, and I just rebuke it in Jesus' name. You know, I wasn't coughing all day until I start just minutes before I start preaching. And so anyway, um, turn with me if you want your Bibles to First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two, and that's where we'll start our teaching on this subject. chapter 2, and we'll pick it up in verse 2. Peter speaking. Let's just start with verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. There's a lot here just in these two verses, verses 2 and 3. But Peter is describing that we as newborn babes, and most of us who are here may not be newborn babes as far as our walk with God. We've been walking with God for a number of years. But the point is still there, that there's a desire for us to <coughs> excuse me, to desire the pure milk of God's Word. Why do we desire the Word of God? Because that's how we grow. Unless we have the Word of God, unless we have a healthy diet of the Word of God, we're not going to grow. And we're not going to have a diet of the Word of God if we don't have a desire for the Word of God. that makes sense? And uh, we need to have a desire. And this will come out a little bit later in my message, but those who don't have a desire for the Lord, very mature. And I'm not saying that to offend people, but we need one, one sign, one attribute of a mature Christian, or one who is maturing, even if we're a babe, we're maturing, we're growing, is that we have an appetite for the Word of God. That makes sense? 
Jesus said, abide in me and let my words abide from me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We need to have an appetite for the word of God. We need to have an appetite for to grow. Just like a baby, just like a child, just like us as humans, we need to have an appetite for food and good food so we can grow. And he goes on to say, if indeed you have tasted the Lord is gracious. Most of us who are born, all of us who are born again, we've tasted God's grace. We've tasted His graciousness. That's, we heard the gospel, we heard His grace, we put faith in His grace, and we became saved. We were saved. And we're still experiencing the benefits of our salvation and His grace. We've tasted His, His grace. We've tasted it. And because we've tasted it, we have a desire for the pure milk of God's word so we can grow in his grace. Um, I wasn't going to go here yet, but go ahead and go down with me. Um, actually, I don't know if I have it here in my notes. Excuse me one second. Let me make sure I just have the right reference here real quick. Not the passage I was looking for, but Peter goes on to say, I think in, in Peter, I, I, I thought I had it in my notes here, but that we are going to grow in grace. We are going to grow in the knowledge of God. We've tasted His grace, yes, amen, but we've, we've tasted it, but now we are to also grow in the grace. We're going to grow in this knowledge of God. Amen? You guys follow me? With me? That little distraction there, me trying to look at that first time. But we ought to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord. Do you have a reference? Second uh, Peter three eighteen. Three eighteen. Okay. Second Peter three eighteen. Thank you, Sherry. Second Peter three eighteen. Peter goes on to say, he says, "We grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory, glory both now and forever. Amen." You know. Praise God, we've tasted God's grace and we're saved. But we are, the exhortation is grow in grace and the knowledge. Desire, and then we're not going to grow in God's grace until we, and, and, unless we desire the pure milk of God's word. The, 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 the way that we became saved in the first place, we heard the word of God. We heard his word of grace. We believed it and we were saved. The same way we, we, we grow, the same way. We hear his grace. We study His grace. We continue to d d devour and to digest the pure milk of God's Word, His grace. And we grow in the knowledge of His grace. And that makes sense? Uh, you know, Samuel, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 26, you don't have to turn there, but it says that Samuel grew in stature with, in favor both with God and man. It says in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature with God, both God and man. We need to grow in this grace. We need to grow and mature before God and man. We just talked about this, and it was by design that I talked just about the beauty of God's holiness. And one of the verses I use is Matthew 5, 16, that we would, our life would so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. And part of that good works is also our growth and our maturity, seeing that this gospel that we preach and we believe in wholeheartedly works 
And they can see the difference. They can see the growth. You know, you just, we're in summertime right now. And especially in this season, if you don't <coughs> water your plant and water your yard and water the grass, it will show. There will be evidence. It will wither. It will go brown. It will, it will show. There's evidence that the, <coughs> excuse me, the, the lawn is not healthy. The plants are not healthy. Something's wrong. You know, if you overwater it, and you know, it doesn't, you know, that will also harm the plant as well. But it's, it's not healthy. And so we need to have healthy lives. You know, uh, an animal, or, or even a person, sometimes when you haven't seen someone in a while, it could be a family member, or a friend, or just an acquaintance. <coughs> and you can just see them, you can see their demeanor and different things. And then either look healthy or they don't look healthy. Uh, not just in their appearance and the physical appearance, but maybe their attitudes. Maybe you can tell maybe someone who's been walking with the Lord for a while, but all of a sudden their attitude changes, their demeanor changes, their behavior begins to change. You might not know what exactly it is, but something's wrong. Something's out of place. And uh, and so. Uh, we can tell when something is healthy, when something's not healthy. And it's God's grace that makes us healthy. But if we don't have a diet of God's Word, instead we have a diet of other things and other influences in this world and in life and our own stinking thinking sometimes, we will grow unhealthy. We will begin to wither. We will begin to dry up. And thank God for His grace, but we need to have a healthy diet of His Word that we may grow thereby. That makes sense? Samuel grew, and it was evident that Samuel grew with wisdom and stature and favor, but with God and man. Jesus grew <coughs> before He started His earthly ministry. But it was noted in the synagogue. It was noted among the religious leaders and his parents and others who, who saw him that he grew in, both in wisdom and stature and in favor with both God and man. There should be some evidence of that. We'll use some other scriptures in a moment. But turn with me uh, real quick to Ephesians chapter 4. And there's many main texts I have in this series, but this is one of them. And I've been studying and chewing on this passage of Scripture for actually a number of years now. I've taught on it in many different ways from many different angles. But it says this, And God, He, God, Himself, gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. God's given these gifts to the church. He's given us Apostles and pastors and missionaries and prophets, uh, and I'm saying those in order. But it just he's given these gifts to the church for what purpose? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. God has given the church the pastors, and among other gifts, to equip the saints, in other words, to build up the saints for the 
for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. If you, if you ever read this verse, verse 12, three times is this phrase, for that. He's given the, the, the just for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. In other words, God has given us pastors to equip us to do the ministry. And what ministry are we equipped to do? To edify the body of Christ. My job is to equip you to minister to one another. To minister to one another as a body. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man as a mature man to, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're going to equip you, equip the saints for the work of the ministry of edifying, to, of building up the body of Christ until we all come to this unity of the faith, till we all come to the same level of our faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature or perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children. Immature. Tossed to and fro by and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and, and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. See, if we're not mature, we're not established in the, in, 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 the, in, the, in the full stature of Christ, we can be persuaded, we can be misled, we can be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine by the trickery and cunningness and craftiness of men who distort the word of God. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. There's a lot in this, in this passage. This one sentence, it even goes on in verse 16. But I'm, I'm just going to stop here for a moment. You know, the, the picture I'm trying to make right now is I'm, trying, I'm taking it from a couple different angles, so bear with me. Like my job is to equip you to minister to one. We're a body. We're the family of God. We have, are a child of God under His grace. We are one family with one main Father. And the, the thing that made it that possible is His grace. The cross that made that possible. But he went, we entered into the kingdom of God when we heard His grace, when we heard His gospel. And He's given gifts to the church. He's given us the fivefold ministry of the church to equip us in this ministry of edifying one another, till we all come, not just me, not just your pastor, not just other, Andrew Walmack and Lawson Purdue and other people like that, but that we all come to the unity of the faith, to the, to the knowledge of God, to the perfect man, to the full stature of Christ. So we're not tossed to and fro. We're not leaving, we're not leaving anyone behind. We're not allowing anyone to be stumbled because they're not equipped. I might got the message, I might have the revelation, but if you don't, then I need, the, by God's grace, to equip you. I can't force it, I can't force feed you like you can force feed a toddler or different things. You have to, they have to want it, they have to decide themselves. But we can cultivate a culture, we can cultivate an environment for a hunger and a desire for God, God for them to be equipped so that we all, because we're speaking the truth in love. Not manipulation, not condemnation, not guilt trips, 
But we're, truth, we're speaking the truth of love that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head of Christ. We're all to grow up into him. Not just me. Not just you. All of us. And there's an essence of spiritual maturity. Paul, if you, if you, when I read this, I hear Paul's heart as the apostle of the church. As the apostle of grace. Thank God for his grace. That we're not born again. There's no, there is no growth. There's no starting point. But and praise God that we're born again. And being born again will get you to heaven. But I, God, God didn't just save us so that we can get into heaven. He saved us also so that we can mature in this relationship with him. Just like a, a child and a parent's relationship will mature over time. A marriage relationship will mature over time. An employee-employer relationship will mature over time. <coughs> but the body of Christ, we are to mature and grow perfect. You know, we're in this together. We're the body of Christ. And I'm not trying to self-focus on that part, even though that's a main, main, a main message of our church. I'm trying to focus on our maturity and the essences of our maturity individually and also corporately. Does that make sense? I'm going to be spending with more of it on an individual, but as we do it individually, we will grow corporately. The best thing for our marriage to grow, grow corporately is for us individually to grow in our relationship with God. And as we, as husband and as wife, grow in our relationship with God, we will grow in our marriage as a union. And as we grow individually as a body of Christ, the pastor and, and, and the people, we will grow as a body. And we will be effective in reaching our community and reaching our nation. Twelve unburdened men turned to 120 faithful saints. Where God added 3,000 and the church began to multiply as they grew both in their walk with God and they, they grew as a family. We're going to get into that. We're going to spend actually four weeks talking about that as, as we go forward. This is all just introduction to what I want to get into. But I'm making sense so far. Okay? Immaturity. So my focus is maturity. But as I deal with maturity, I have to also deal with immaturity. It's, it's counter product. Okay? Someone who's immature, going back to verse 14, will be like a child who's tossed to and fro. To and fro. Someone who's immature. Someone who's not established. Someone who, who's weak in the faith. And that's not a put down, but they're just a child doesn't know how to defend itself. Not just physically, because of its stature, but also it doesn't have the wisdom and the intellect yet to outwit someone in some argument, uh, especially with superiors. But but a child is, is not established. Also, too, have you ever seen a child, seen a toddler, their attention span? How big is, how long is their attention span? Very short. And have you seen people growing in Christ and some people's commitment level and their attention span when it comes to God? 
That shows me immaturity. That's not a put down. They're still a child. And they're still a child of God. They're still saved. Praise God. But their attention span sometimes is not as long and is just as short views as a child. And it's cute when they're a baby. But it's not so cute when they're an adult. And they don't have a long attention span. Same thing spiritually speaking. See, my heart as a pastor is not to create a spiritual nursery. But there's going to be a season for that. And in one sense, we're always going to have that to a certain degree. Let me explain myself. But my heart, in, in, in essence, is not going to have a spiritual nursery. And I don't want to be crude with this, but where you have a nursery, you have diapers. I've said it before in another message, where you have sheep, you have manure. Okay? But there's a, there's a purpose for the nursery. And we've all been in the nursery level. But the purpose in the physical or natural aspect, we will grow up and mature so we can graduate from the nursery. We don't want to be in the nursery all of our lives. Okay? So we can grow up and mature in the time we'll have kids, children, offspring, and they will be in the nursery for a season. So in a sense, there will always be a nursery but as a church, we want to grow up so we don't have necessarily a congregation that's like a nursery, but we grow up in him in all things so that we can be reproductive and reach the, our nation and reach our, our community. So in a sense, new nursery children will be coming in, but we will grow them up and mature them up so they will have kids. And so in a sense, we'll always have that nursery, but we don't want to have a nursery and we're not going anywhere. That's all we ever become. And some churches I've been to, all it is is one big adult spiritual nursery. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to put people down. But my heart is that we grow up and mature in Christ. That makes sense? It's the, it's the, the, it's the, the great joy and desire for any good parent to see their children through the stages of life grow and mature and become a young adult and become an adult and have their own kids and their own families learning responsibilities. Every great parent wants to see their kids succeed in their life with goals and desires and dreams having a job and not being codependent. There's a season for codependency, but the, the desire is to grow and mature out of that codependency. Where they can be independent and responsible and, and contribute to society. And, and, and be effective. And, 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 and be healthy physically. To be healthy socially. To be healthy spiritually. To be healthy and financially. To be healthy in every area of their life. So that they can be a blessing and they have an impact in our world. That's the desire of every parent. Same thing spiritually. Throw with me real quick the third John. The third epistle of John. Verse 4. I love this verse. I stumbled across it when we were studying on finances over a year ago. 
But says, John says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I'm not, I don't think he's just talking about natural children, but spiritual children. It's my greatest joy, whether I'm their pastor or not their pastor. It's my greatest joy to see anyone walking in the truth. I don't, if, I don't find any joy when I see people struggling. I don't see any joy when I don't see people maturing in Christ. I hurt with them. I have compassion for them. I, and if they're not willing, I can't help them. But at the same point in time, in my greatest joy, and it's not whether they're coming to this church or another church, but when I see someone growing and maturing in their walk with God, it is, I have the greatest joy. And I don't care if it were because of my ministry or someone else's ministry, but the fact that they are growing and they have become mature in a walk, I find great joy in that. Amen? Okay? But when we also grow up and mature <clears throat> as children, we can reproduce. A plant, an animal, a human, physically but spiritually, cannot reproduce if it's immature. It's God designed it that way. <clears throat> okay? And God told us, he didn't tell us to go make converts. There is a convert in the sense there needs to be a point of, of conception. There needs to be a point of them receiving the gospel and coming born again. But he told us to go make disciples of all nations. Another word for this term maturity that I'm talking about is discipleship. <clears throat> God has called us to call this church Lighthouse Discipleship Center for a reason. We have Elio's Discipleship Program for a reason. We're committed to discipleship. We're committed to maturing people in Christ. We have Bible classes. We have Bible studies. We, we have teaching. I, I'm hoping that as our church grows, some of the other gifts can come out too, and we can, we can utilize those as well. But what, whatever we do, my heart is that when we, as our church grows and matures, we'll have children's ministries. We'll have youth ministries. We'll have women's and men's ministries and different kinds of ministries to equip the saints for the work of the ministry so that we all mature and we all be disciples in that process. But I've seen, we've seen uh, in some events and places where we've been, we've seen 10-year-olds being more mature in their walk with God than some adults. We were at one of Andrew's conferences in Phoenix a couple years back, and this 10-year-old, who I believe was adopted, but that had nothing to do with the story, it's just, he was going around ministering to people. And it was, he was more mature in his ministry than some of the adults. And, and it, just, it, was, it was awesome. I'm not trying to put down the adults, but it was very beautiful. And it was very, um, what's the word I want to look for? But it was very uh, inspiring for the adults to, if he can do this, I can do this. And, you know, he just loved God. He loved people. And he... And it, that told me that about his walk with God. That told me about his relationship with God. Because you can't get there. You can't operate like that without a relationship with God. But, see, this maturity is not based on age. 
It's not based on gender. It's not based on natural stature. It's based on having a diet for God and a diet for His Word and being taught good stuff. You know, even physically, if you eat all you eat is junk, your body is not going to mature the way it should. We need the nutrients. We need the vitamins. We need the things that God has designed our body to need. Okay? Go with me to Colossians chapter 2. Am I making sense so far? Again, this is all introduction, and most of everything that I'm saying right now, this first message, will be introductory material to where I want to get to. But I'm trying to lay the foundation of a desire to mature. And the Bible has a lot to say about this. But Colossians chapter 2, we'll, we'll pick it up verse 6. Paul's speaking here, and he says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Actually, I want to toggle to the new King James, I mean, the regular King James. Excuse me, the toggle. But the King James says it this way, As ye therefore have received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye that have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. There's a lot here we've taught on this many times in the, in the, through the years. But Paul is saying here that in the same way that you have received Christ. How did we receive Christ? We heard the word of God, we believed it, we received it. We heard the word of God, we believed it, we received it. You can't, you can't believe something you haven't heard, and you can't receive something you haven't believed and heard. Okay? But you heard it, did they, they didn't have didn't become righteous to become saved. No, they received God's blessing, God's gospel. They received God's gift of righteousness. They heard God's gospel. They heard his word. They believed it and were saved. They heard God's grace. They believed it, put faith in it, and were saved. In the same way that you receive Christ, so walk ye in him. This whole walk, this whole maturity walk is... It is performed in the same way that we receive Christ, we walk in Him. Notice with me in verse 6 in the King James, that's why I toggle here. But in the King James, it ends with a colon. That means Paul is going to expound on what this walking in Him looks like. It says this So walking in Him, rooted, built up in Him, established in the faith, as ye have been what? Taught. You were taught to be rooted in Him. You were taught to be built up in Him. You were taught to be established in the faith. Because faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing the Word of God. You can't have faith without being taught. You can't have faith without hearing His Gospel. Or being taught the Word of God. But in the same way that you have received Christ by hearing the gospel and being saved, in the same way that you walk in him, which means the same, the same way you're going to be rooted and built up and established in the faith, is by being taught, is by being discipled, is by desiring the pure milk of God's word. So that, but, but the process here is not just that you receive Christ and it's all done. No, the process here is that you are rooted you are built up. You're established in the faith. That's maturity. 
the conception, the new birth took place as you received Christ. You were 100% born again. Your spirit was 100% born again. You were a new creation. Not born of incorruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God. But the seed is supposed to be watered. By the, it's, you're born by the word of God. It's watered by the word of God. And it's rooted and built up by the word of God. It's all about the word of God. But this word of God, the seed, is that teaches us is to grow us up, to be rooted and built up and established in Him. Am I making sense this morning? And it's not the same, and it happens the exact same way you receive Christ to begin with. It's not a different formula. It's not a different strategy. The same way that you receive Christ is the same way that you're rooted, built up, and established in Him. You were taught it. You received Christ because you were taught Christ. That makes sense? And so this process of receiving His grace is the same way that we continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Him. By desiring the pure milk of God's Word. The same way we tasted His grace. To receive His grace. is the same way that we continue to be taught and grow in His grace. So that we are rooted and built up in establishing Him. So, so someone who is rooted and built up and established in the faith is not going to be like a child tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Someone who just received Christ and is not rooted and established and built up in Him can be tossed to and fro. But someone who is rooted, someone who is discipled, someone who is established is going to have a root system. It's going to have, a, it's going to, you know, if you want to chop down an oak tree that's been around here for a hundred years or so, it's not going to be an easy process to get that oak tree out. Why? It's established. We have ivy in our yard all over the place. And if it was our house, we would change it. You know, we just, we don't have any desire for ivy. It's well established. It's been here for a long time. You know, and uh, even if we were to take it out, it would be a job. And I'm willing to take on that job because I'm willing to get rid of the ivy. But it will be a job because that ivy is well established. It's rooted. Okay? But I'm ready for a new do-over with it. God bless it while it's here. And while it's here, I want it green. You know? I don't want it brown. I don't want it ugly. Uh, you know? Uh, but uh, I'm hoping... I'm, I'm not trying to talk about our property, but hopefully I'm making a message about something that's rooted, something that's established. It's not going to be easily tossed to and throw. An oak tree is not going to be easily tossed to and throw. But a new plant, a fresh new lawn, it can be easily tossed to and throw. Okay? Making sense? Go back to 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Um, this is where I was going to go earlier on the stake. Second Peter chapter one. So what? I mean, we've already been looking at John's John talking about this. We've heard things from Peter. We've heard things from Paul. They're all talking about this maturity in Christ. 
But Peter says this in Second uh, Peter chapter one, verse five, beginning with verse five. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to your virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, <coughs> and temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. Verse eight. For if these things be in you, and abound. They make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to toggle back to the King, New King James. I don't want to lose you in, the, in just the language there. But verse say, for if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Unfruitfulness. Is, is is a is a and barrenness, unfruitfulness is a sign of immaturity. Now I understand it. Uh, you know, there's reasons sometimes why naturally people are barren. And there's different reasons, and my heart goes out to you if that's the case. And so I'm not taking from that angle. But you know, Jesus curses a fig tree because it didn't have figs. When it should have things. God designed us to be fruitful. And there's many aspects of that fruitfulness when it comes to us. You know, yes, we have natural offspring, but also just being fruitful in our careers, our jobs, our destiny, being fruitful in our and just our finances, being fruitful in our relationships. But ultimately, we're talking about being fruitful spiritually. And our lives are being fruitful. And actually, if we're fruitful in that lower area, our whole lives will be fruitful. It will affect all of those areas that I just mentioned. A life that's not fruitful, and you're not seeing the fruit the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness. The fruit of holiness that we talked about. The fruit of righteousness that we talked about the last couple weeks. That there's fruit, there's evidence. But he says that these things are yours and abound. That means they're growing. They're abounding. They're multiplying. They're increasing. You will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And specifically, that's the barrenness he's talking about. That's the fruitfulness he's talking about is our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we have these things that he just talked about, and I'm not going to spend time talking about that today, but it's a good study for you. But he says, if these things are yours and they abound, you will not be you will not be barren and you will not be fruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the picture of maturity. Someone who is mature in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ has these attributes that he just talked about abounding in their lives. For someone who does not have these attributes of abounding life, they are not fruitful. They are not mature in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That makes sense. They might be saved. They might be born again. Praise God. And I'm not trying to water that down. I don't want you to misunderstand me there. But at the same point in time, there is an exhortation by Peter, by Paul, by John, that we would grow in our knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen. We need to mature. Go 
will be to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4, verse 19, and this is actually one of the verses that kind of really, I've been chewing on this thought of maturity for a long time. But this is the one that really got the wheels turning. And uh, it's just Paul speaking. I want to give it a little more context, you know. Actually, no, we'll just start here. Verse 19. Paul said, My little children, from whom I labor and birth again, until Christ is formed in you. Just give me one moment as I go back to the King James. Verse 19. We'll see where we're at, sorry. My little children, from whom I labor and birth again until Christ is formed in you. Now that's a very profound statement if you think about it. It's one thing to have birth have birth pains or have labor for the same child for one child. But it's another thing to go into labor twice for the same child. That's a profound thing. And he's speaking to the children. He's speaking to the church. He's speaking to the church of Galatia specifically here. He says, For whom I labor and birth again until Christ is formed in you. They're already born again. They're already in Christ. But Paul is laboring in birth pains. He's using that metaphor, that analogy as a mother in labor, birth pains. Not just so they get saved and receive His grace and get saved. Praise God for that. But He's talking to any calling of little children, immature. He's not trying to offend them. He's not, he's not condemning them. They're still children. If they, were not, if they were condemned, they wouldn't be children. They're children. They're still, but they're little children. They're immature. But Paul is not only laboring for the salvation, but Paul is laboring for the church that we, Christ, would be formed in us. I want the fullness of Christ, the full stature, the perfection of Christ that we read about in Ephesians 4. Maturity, Christ being completely formed in us. Are you hearing the heartbeat of Paul? It is my heartbeat. That we would desire the pure mouth of God's word. And that we would desire as our individuals, as husbands and wives and children and of all ages, that we would we allow Christ to be formed in us, to be rooted and grounded and established in the faith as we are taught. That we would grow up until we all come to the unity of the faith and grow up in Him. That's why I'm calling this the essence of maturity. Because Paul when and Paul was laboring in birth pains. It's one of the, I, I, I will never experience birth pains. Praise God. But I just, it's one of the, the greatest analogies of pain that I know that's on the earth. It's birth pains. But your, the birth pains are worth it to produce that bundle of joy. I'm not trying to be crude. I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm trying to paint a picture of what a true apostle, a pastor, a parent is going to travail in, in the, actually the King 
James that we just toggled to, said travail with birth pains until Christ is formed in you. And Paul is using the phrase, I'm laboring again. He already labored that there would be children. But he's laboring that they, that in the same way that Christ, in the same way that we see Christ, they would walk in him and Christ would be formed in them. That's huge. That's huge. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 5. Figure them verse 12. And this, whoever wrote this Bible and this app I'm using calls it spiritual maturity or immaturity. But though by this time you ought to be teachers, only, only someone who's mature can teach. You can't teach if you don't know them, if you don't know material. If you haven't Grown and be those materials. You need someone to teach you again the first principles or the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. You're unskilled, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age. That is, those who by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us grow, go on to perfection, maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. I want to go back. I should have started with actually verse 11. And actually, to get context, I go verse 9. I'll try to talk back in together in just a moment. Let's go back to verse 9. He says, and having been perfected, he, he's talking about Jesus, became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Called by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, verse 11. Of whom, he's talking about Christ, we have much to say. And hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Are you hearing that? He said, the writer of Hebrews says, I have much to say to you about Jesus. And it's hard to explain it because you're dull of hearing. Well, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age, those who are mature. That is, those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. There's Several things that are in this passage here that the writer of Hebrews is talking about. He's bringing out some, some what I call some, some symptoms of immaturity. Or some, what I might call, babe symptoms. The babe stage. There's a babe stage and there's a full babe stage. There's an immature stage and there's a mature stage. There's a baby stage, an infant, a child, little children stage, and there's an adult stage. Even adolescents can fall somewhere in that category. But one of the one of the symptoms of someone who's a babe, and I'm not talking about like my wife, you're my babe. I'm talking about a babe, as in the child. 
Okay? And you have to be careful nowadays sometimes what you say. And I go to the restaurant and ask for honey for my toast, and the, the waitress thinks I'm calling them honey. No, 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 no. No, the, anyway. I'm going to let that one go. But one of the symptoms of someone who's immature is that they're dull of hearing. You ever meet someone? You know, there's two groups of people I, I, I've come across to as a pastor. I'm a teacher. I love teaching the gospel. But I get the, I get the group of people sometimes they are like, they just get bored with the Word of God. They get bored with hearing the same message over and over again. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor Dave, when are you going to teach on the good stuff? But then I also have people who, they just can't get enough of it. They want to hear more. And sometimes I, I taught the same message over and over again. And I apologize. I said, don't apologize. We just want more. We're hungry for the Word of God. The, the writer of Hebrews, he can, if you read this, you can hear his frustration in this passage. I have much to say to you, and it, but it's hard to explain it to you because you're dull of hearing. You won't listen. You're not hungry. You give me someone who's hungry, to, to, someone who wants to be taught, someone who's hungry for the Word of God and the things of God, it's easy to teach them because it draws, draws it out of me. But you get someone who, it's just, it just hard to even get a word in. It's hard for them to even digest it. And it's just like, I got so much to say, but we can't even get the first principles laid. We can't even get started. It's a sign of immaturity. For someone who doesn't want to, and I'm talking about spiritual things, but it's, it, it can be in any vocation. I know, I know bookkeeping and accounting. I can teach someone who's eager to learn. But if they're not eager to learn, it's like pulling teeth. Why are we here? I've had, you know, I've been a, a manager at jobs. And when I get someone who's willing to learn, it, it, you know, I can teach them. But someone who doesn't even want to be there and won't listen, you know, then I'm just like, why are we here? If you don't want to be here, you know, I'm sure there's someone who wants to be here, wants a job. And I get every job is everyone's taste. But while you're here, be useful. Anyway, I, I'm not here to talk about all that. It's just a... Uh, but, so, uh, you know, even a, a sign of immaturity, just like a child. They, they, they have a short attention span. They can only pay attention so long. You know, unless it's their favorite video game or whatever it might be. But even then, a, child, a young child can't, even can't focus on a video game too long. You know, they don't seek wisdom. They're not hungry for the things of God. They're unskilled in the word of righteousness. But someone who's full of age, someone who's mature, they can't get enough of God's word. They're hungry for things of Immature. See, they're immature, they hear the word, but they don't know how to apply it. Why they're not grounded, they're not established, they're not built up. They don't know how to walk it out. You know, the parable of the seller in Matthew 13 is also in Luke chapter 8 and other uh, marks, marks the Gospels as well. But in Matthew chapter 13, it talks about four types of soil. The pavement, the, the, the rocky soil, the thorny soil, and then the good soil. Okay? 
All of them heard the word of God. But only the good soil heard it and understood it. And maturity, maturity. See, it also says here in verse 14, I think it is, but solid food belongs to those who are full of age. That is, those who, those who are full of age, it's this, those who are by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. Someone who's mature has had their senses exercised to know good. Many thoughts I can gather out of that. We did a, a series not too long ago on wisdom. The wisdom of man and the wisdom of God. James compares the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God. He calls the wisdom of man sensual, earthly, demonic. But the wisdom that's from above is first pure, is peaceful, willing to be entreated, uh, without partiality, without hypocrisy, full of mercy. Um, there's a difference between the two. But we also, when we're studying the, the wisdom, we we're also studying uh, in all the, the Proverbs and even Job 28, 28, where wisdom is the beginning. Um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But in there also talks about, it talks about discerning both good and evil. Okay? But they have their senses exercised. See, someone who's mature is not going to be led by their senses. They're going to be learned, led by their faith. They have their, they're, going, they're not letting their senses tell them what to do or what is good and evil. They're going to let the Word of God tell them what to do and what is good and evil. They're led by the Spirit of God. They're not led by the senses of God. Paul says in Galatians 5.16, if we walk in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Someone who's mature has learned to exercise their senses. Just take this to a child in a classroom. Someone, you know, a preschool classroom and a kindergarten classroom can be a little rowdy until through process of teaching and a good teacher, they've learned to, yes, they have a short attention span, so the curriculum is built to, 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 to and a teacher knows how to create the classroom environment to, to understand that. But they're also learning to exercise their senses and control things and control their behavior and have a um, controlled learning environment so they can learn. Um, am I making, making sense with this? It, 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 you know, and, and it's a process. We've learned this as a child. We've learned this through even schooling just to learn to pay attention, take notes, and be a good student. Some of us have not done so well with that learning. Some have done well. You know, and, and so... Um, Hopefully I'm making sense with this. But it's a sign of maturity, immaturity. And, uh, and uh, see, a, a, a child can be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but a child can also, when, you know, be, can be tossed by the cares of this world, the lust for many things. Parable of the sower is there too. But they just have not had their senses exercised. And I understand life can throw curveballs. Life can throw, the devil doesn't play fair. And so I know some people have gone through some horrific things. But a child of God who has been, who's been established in God and His Word, even if all hell breaks loose, and I'm not saying it's always going to be a bed of roses, it's always going to be easy, but a child of God, 
Jesus said it this way, if you build your house on the rock, even though the storms will come, there won't be any destruction. Why? They're mature. They're established in the faith. That makes sense? And part of that is learning to exercise, learning to ex have our senses exercised. Okay? The senses are, uh, speak to our emotions. You ever meet someone who just emotions are just out of control? And that could be anger, that could be depression, that can, that, those emotions can come out in a lot of different flavors and sizes. But, and one of the fruits of the Spirit is temperance, self-control. Okay, it's love. And you mean, you even look at the fruit of the Spirit, and from a natural aspect, they look like emotions, love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness. They're attributes of how we behave, whatnot. For someone who's led by the Spirit and not by the flesh, that's maturity. That's how their senses exercise. And it's how you know you're growing. It's how you know, you know, you can show me a classroom full of kids of different ages and different grade levels. But you can tell I can tell you which kids have learned to exercise their senses and which ones have not. Which ones have learned to, they, they've been disciplined. Discipled to control themselves until the right time where they can go out to recess and have free time and play and be a child. But uh, they just have learned that, you know. Um, anyway, and I hope you're making sense with this. Go with me to First Timothy chapter chapter four, verse eleven, and we're almost done for today. <coughs> First Timothy chapter four. And this probably would have fit in a little better earlier, but I'm going to read it now. First Timothy 4, verse 11. Paul writes, says, these things, he's, he's writing to young Timothy, who's an apprentice. So he's a young pastor. Paul's his teacher, his mentor. And Paul says, these things command and teach, that no one despise your youth. But be an example to the believers in word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the Elishim. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. That your progress may be evident to all. Paul is exhorting Timothy to watch his life and his doctrine closely so that his progress, his growth, his maturity, there's a progress. Maturity is not overnight. There's a progress. There's growing pains at times with growing. But there's a progress that your progress might be evident to all. It goes with what Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your life, let your doctrine, let your purity, let your holiness, let your righteousness, let your, the fruit of your life and the fruit of your spirit be evident to all that they may see your progress. You know, just like a good tree, a good plant, a good animal, a good 
You want to see its growth. You want to see its progress. You want to see how they're growing and maturing. They're green. They're healthy. It's good. You want that to be evident to all. If, if we're trying to be a witness to the world that this gospel works, that this Christianity is worth it, let them see our progress. How many of you know they're watching us? People are watching us. People in the world. People who are walking, walking the fence, they're watching us. Let them see our progress. That may be evident at all. Okay? Um, I know there's going to be different factors, persecution, people trying to trip us up. They tried to trip up Jesus. They tried to trip up the, trip up the apostles. They tried to trip up Timothy, I'm sure. But let your progress be evident. Don't let anyone look at you because you're young. Don't, and, and, and you can take that youth as one who you're young as far as age, but you can also take that as you might be a newbie, you might be a newborn believer. But let people see your progress. Let people see you grow. Let people see you mature and you walk with God. I see some people who've been um, and what I would consider a, a newborn believer more mature than some adults I know that have been walking with God for years. Why? Because I've seen the progress. I've seen the growth. I've seen the maturity. I've seen the purity. I've seen uh, all these things that Paul listed here. Uh, um, verse 12, I think it is. I've seen their, their word, their conduct, their love. Their, the way they talk, the word, the conversation. The, how they love one another. How they, that shows me a lot of maturity right there. The spirit. What spirit do they listen to? Their flesh? Or the spirit of God? The spirit of the world? The spirit of air? In faith and purity. Faith only, comes, faith only comes from the word of God. So if they're walking in faith and they're talking faith and their conversation is faith, they've been in the word of God. And I can see that. I can see the evidence. But I can also see the reverse in people's lives. The way they talk, they're not doing so well. Their conduct and their—they're uh, not doing so well. Their their love, their lack of love—they're not doing so well. The spirit, the attitude, the spirit of bitterness, the spirit of uh, there's all kinds of uh, spirit of jealousy and different, all different kinds of spirits are, are activated uh, when there's envy and strife. There's every evil word. The lack of faith, unbelief, or, and lack of purity and holiness that we were just talked about in the last couple of weeks. Let it be evident at all. They may see our growth. They may see our Samuel grew in favor with God and man. Jesus grew in stature and favor. But not only even said to Samuel that his words did not fall to the ground. There was no guile in his life. There was no reproach in his life. And, you know, I heard this, uh, I remember back in high school, I did a, a, a term paper on Billy Graham. And Billy Graham in his early years, he had a, a colleague fall uh, uh, to some, uh, some type of uh, uh, scandal or whatnot. And he, he kind of made a kind of vow to himself and to, before God to, he, he, that he would watch his life so that that world, the religious world, could never use, he would not have reproach in his life. That would be a reproach to the gospel being spread. He cared about that because his life, the way he carried himself, was important for his message to be heard. And most people know Billy Graham as a righteous man. His righteousness didn't come from his performance, but the fruit of his holiness, the fruit of that righteousness, was evident to all. And it was powerful. He got the ministered before kings. 
and before several presidents, and he was he was respected by many people, and because of his respect, his message was heard by a lot of people. Where many, if he didn't watch his life and his doctrine, that door could have been closed long before he ever became Billy Graham, as we know it. And, and so that making sense. Um, it's not. It's not so we become righteous, but we need to watch our life and our doctrine. We need to watch ourselves. They, people see our growth. They see our healthiness. We don't need a bunch of a junk in our lives. Okay, with this, uh, uh, we're just about running out of time. And I think I'm going to pick up some of this next week. Um, but uh, what I'm going to pick it up next week, I'm going to be looking at a series of psalms and proverbs, a small cluster of them, where the scriptures talk about a path of life. There's a path. There's a path that we are to get on if we're going to progress and we're going to mature. You, you see, we're going to see it next week that there's a lot of psalms that talk about this path of life. It's called a path that's flourishing. There's some other supporting scriptures we're going to use. Some of them are going to come from the prophets as well. But then I'm going to lead us to a point where we're going to spend several weeks on. And in Acts chapter 2, I know I already turned off the screen. But in Acts chapter 2, we have the birth of the church. And the birth of the church, because Christ has already died, he rose again, he just ascended in Acts chapter 1. But in Acts chapter 2, we have Pentecost, we have the birth of the church. And as the church is born, 120 people are one accord. God adds to them 3,000 people. In one day, you go from 120 people to 3,120 people. Not so much talking about that growth, but here, even though we'll, 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 we'll feed on that a little bit. But it says in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, that they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and then it says that God began to add daily those who are being saved. And we're going to see that this is a, we're going to use this as a, as a, what's the word I'm looking for? But as a example or a outline of spiritual growth. I, I'm trying to use my words wisely because I'm basically out of time. And I don't, I want to teach this more thoroughly later. But I just want to point you in the direction we're going to go. I believe if we get on this path that the early church got on, and being committed and steadfast to the apostles' teaching, to teaching, with the apostles' doctrine, New Testament, teaching, doctrine. I'll explain that more if we get into that. Okay, I'm going to spend a whole hour on each of those four aspects, the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, to breaking up bread, in, uh, I'll come back to that in just a second and do a prayer. And I'll probably spend almost two hours on the prayer part. But if we will commit ourselves, as the early church did, to teaching, to fellowship, to breaking up bread, and to prayer, we will grow. It's impossible not to grow if we don't have those attributes in our lives. It's one path, but it's four aspects. We're gonna, and then we're going to be looking at some other things that will complement everything we'll, we'll be teaching. But I'm gonna, I want to lay the foundation of a path 
by using the Psalms and the Proverbs. But then I want to outline that New Testament path that the early church did. And the church began to, to grow and to multiply as they were committed to these things daily. In the temple and, in, and from house to house daily. We need a daily walk. And they met both corporately in a, in, a, in a setting like this in the temple, but they also met house to house daily. In the breaking of bread, we'll look at this more closely when we get there. No, I'm growing up, I'm already always that. Is that communion or a meal? It's both. Because Passover was a meal. It wasn't just a bread in the cup. Those are the elements. Those are the elements that Paul outlined in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. But Passover was a meal. And we'll be looking at a lot of different meals, uh, and, and, uh, and uh, even the Old Testament as our example. It's in, in, in the Jewish culture, when they had a meal, it was like a mini covenant. And we have a covenant with God, which is represented in the, in the communion, into the, the blood of his covenant, the cup. But we also have a covenant with the body of Christ. And we'll be, we'll be looking at that more clearly as we get closer into that. Um, I know I'm getting way ahead of myself on my, my outline that I want to get to, but I'm kind of painting a picture of the direction we're going to go uh, with this. And I'm excited about this because I'm learning some things afresh and some things new. And it's a direction I want us to go as a church. A lot of this outline that I'm talking about, I, uh, I got from Dwayne Sheriff. And some of these notes that his outline, I'm using some of his outline on this because I, I clean from it. And his heart is to grow healthy lives. His heart is to grow healthy churches. And he's doing it. And it's working. It's worked in his life. It's working in his church. And I want it to work here. And I believe it's biblical. I put it right on. I put actually on our web page, on, on our Elio's tab, a sample message on the breaking of bread that, uh, that I just talked about. And it comes from Dwayne Sheriff. He teaches it probably a lot better than I will. But I still want to teach it. I want it to become part of who we are. Um, am I making sense? Because a lot of these four categories I'm talking about, I'm even thinking about re-establishing our values on our website and our values on our church, that I want these to become four pillars of our church, that we are committed to the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, to, to prayer, and among other things. But we're going to tie this all into the gospel of his grace, and that we mature and grow. And, and I'm going to be looking at these four aspects of the early church, in regards to our spiritual growth, okay? Um, there's a lot I can talk about prayer, but I'm going to be looking at prayer in reference to our growth. It's all about relationship with God. It's all about a walk with God. It's all about being rooted and grounded and established in the pure milk of God's Word. That makes sense? So we can grow, become established, and we'll see how all four of these aspects are connected to that. Okay, and the church was committed steadfastly to that, and they grew. And actually, even breaking the bread, it's mentioned twice in that passage, in verse 42 and verse 46. It's mentioned twice about that. And the early church was committed to it. We don't, I don't see the church at large committed to these four things all the time. And so I want to be committed to that. I can't mandate it. I can't make it happen as a church. But it's something I'm going to teach. And it's something I'm going to try to implement. That makes sense? And we'll know more if we get more into, into the study. And Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. We thank you, Lord, first of all, that we are born again. And Lord, we thank you that we are to grow up into you in all things. 
but we want to mature. We want to be effective. We want to be fruitful. We want Christ to be completely formed in us. Lord, help us. Teach us. Use us. Disciple us. You call us to be disciples. Disciple us. To be who you have designed and created us to be in Christ Jesus. Thank you for this. Thank you for this day. Bless us as we go. In your name we give you thanks. God bless you. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. All right. Thank you.